Welcome to Interlocutor Interviews. I'm Tyler Nessler, the founder of Interlocutor Magazine, which features in-depth coverage of creators, thinkers, performers, and artists of all types. You can check us out online at interlocutorinterviews.com. And if you're a fan of our arts coverage, you can sign up to be a subscriber or a contributor via Patreon. Just click on the Patreon link on our site. So today I have with me artist Scott Lisfield who currently has a solo show up at Harmon Projects in New York called AM Gold. So welcome, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, well, so we'll just kick it off by you have this whole, um, not just in this series, but um, in other works that I've seen, you have a consistent theme of an astronaut, a wandering mm-hmm. astronaut. And you you also sometimes include dinosaurs, mm-hmm. but in this show in particular, I didn't see any dinosaurs, unless I missed one. Uh, no, um, this is a dinosaur-free show. <laughs> a dinosaur-free show. All right. Um, but one thing that really struck me, I was looking at your site, and a big influence for you was uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, 2001 mm-hmm. Space Odyssey which of course was released back in the late sixties mm-hmm. and um, kind of thematically, it looks like uh, you're kind of exploring the idea of what the future, what the future was thought it would be at that time and how it actually turned out. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, that is very accurate. Yeah. Uh, would you like me to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief, but yeah, no, I was, um, uh, the the origin of my the astronaut in my paintings is that I spent some time in uh in, in my college years traveling around. I studied in Europe for a little while, and I lived in Australia for a little while. Uh, and I started getting used to this feeling of being kind of outside of my own culture, um, and and kind of exploring a world that didn't quite feel like my own. Uh, and when I came back to uh, America, I was living in Boston at the time. Um, I wanted to make some paintings that felt like, uh, to me, uh, sort of little short stories about how I felt a little out of place in the contemporary world. Hmm. And I knew I wanted to have some sort of protagonist appear in each painting. Um, and I didn't know who that protagonist was going to be. And it was right around this time I watched um, 2001, A Space Odyssey, for the first time. Um, and just in the process of watching that movie, it sort of all crystallized for me that the character I wanted to have explore this world um, was this figure of an astronaut kind of from the 2001 I thought I would grow up into uh, based on all the movies and TV shows I watched when I was a kid that led me to believe the 21st century. uh, I was going to have a flying car. I was going to have a robot Mm -hmm. best friend. I was going to live on the moon. uh, And the the reality of my situation at the time was uh, needless to say, uh, not quite so exciting or futuristic. Um, And so that character from, from the fictional, the astronaut from the fictional 2001 kind of became this character for me. Uh, who wandered around, uh, wandered around and explored the world um, through my paintings. Gotcha. And then, um, so basically now with this show, AM Gold, mm-hmm. the theme is music. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said that you're, it's basically a lot of it uh, is based off of album covers or artwork related to albums. Mm-hmm. And um I've read that you were inspired by the kind of physical artifacts that we mostly don't have anymore, or no, yeah. a lot of people don't even care about anymore, mm-hmm. you know, which I also feel like is kind of a, a, a loss. Um, I kind of miss the tangibility of having physical media, you know, mm-hmm. even CD covers, uh, album covers, posters, cassette tapes, all that stuff. 
uh, zines, band flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, what do you think has been lost in general culturally without people really having that kind of tangible physical media now and it's all streaming? Well, I think it's um, I think it's exactly the things. It's the thingsness of it, right? It's the mm-hmm. um, used to used to own things beyond just the music. You could put the music on, um, and I, I don't want to sound like an old person. Like streaming music is great for a lot of reasons, but um, you know, there was this experience of buying an album, um, you know, whether it was a record or a CD or a cassette um, or anything, or even just going and buying a poster or. or you know, buying a zine or or seeing a physical flyer that somebody had handmade, um, just having something tactile that you could hold in your hands and look at and experience in a physical way um, that lived with you, you know, in your room, maybe you'd hang it up, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, a, you, you know, as a, t- uh, you know, generations of teenagers collected this sort of um, ephemera and, and, and would hang it in their walls and, and treat it as if it was some sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, mystical objects, really. I mean, you know, because we love, we love, we all love music and people today still love music, but all that stuff doesn't really, it doesn't come with anything. You just sort of press the download button and it's there on your phone and you, you walk around, which the convenience of it is awesome. Again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say anything about the streaming era. It's just, I feel like we've um, lost a little bit of something. Um, uh, I, I live in Los Angeles and I went to see a really, really great show at the uh, Pacific Design Center like about six months ago. Mm-hmm. That was a collection of original um, posters, flyers, zines, buttons, other things from the um, punk and new wave era. Um, yeah. And it and the aesthetics of it really it just it really reminded me of um you know, the reason why I got interested in art and design in the first place. Um, and I feel like I had kind of lost track of some of that over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in addition to my artwork, I worked as a designer for 15 years. Oh. Uh, and at the start of my career, I was very much interested in things like band posters and, you know, album covers. And and, and I like to joke by the end of my uh, design career, um, which I left about six or seven years ago, I was mostly just drawing gray boxes um, and sitting in meetings, <laughs> um, you know. So, like the 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 aesthetic value of this stuff, you know, the 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 fact that physical objects could conjure such really powerful emotions out of me. Um, yeah, it was, I guess, surprising and unsurprising. But that was that kind of feeling was what I wanted to conjure in the work for this show. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and also a lot of that physical media c- can convey meaning beyond just the music. Like I'm thinking mm-hmm. of. Um, you know, you, well, you just saw this exhibition of, um, you know, what you said, like punk rock, uh, flyers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Thinking of, you know, Raymond Pettibon, right. Mm-hmm. From black flag and, and mm-hmm. those, those flyers, like, um, I saw a big retrospective of his work. Uh, I don't know, a few years ago here in New York and, uh, those flyers are, I mean, they're, they're really kind of disturbing and intense, you know, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of text and they are a great kind of, um, you know, addition to the, the the music and the lyrical content. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, you know, nowadays the album cover, you know, if I look at my phone while the music's playing, the album cover will kind of pop up on the screen for half a second. But it, it, yeah. I don't really remember what it looks like for the most, unless it's something really notable. Uh, you know, whereas, whereas back in the day, you would sit and hold the thing, physically hold an album cover in your hands while you listen to the music. And it became kind of, an inseparable part of the experience really. Yeah. And there were, you know, artists who were well known for their album 
work, you know? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, were there any, any in particular, especially from like the vinyl era, like the, the classic era, um, who inspired you in any way with this series? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did a research dive on this that I, mm. I, I you know, cause I was not that aware of the actual, um, you know, illustrators and designers involved. And I, and I wish I had the names on the tip of my tongue, but, um, there was one group, especially that <clears throat> they did, um, a few Led Zeppelin covers and they did, um, I think they did some, they did some Pink Floyd covers. Um, and again, I'm, bl- I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name. Um, you can, you can Google this stuff pretty easily. Um, if I think of it, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it, but, um, they did some just really, really amazing trippy stuff, really cool stuff in the days way before, you know, Photoshop, but they were doing photo manipulation and cutting and pasting stuff and doing collage work. And I was, I was, you know, they have some really iconic things, but I hadn't put it together in my head that this one, you know, design group did all these different famous album covers. Um, Interesting. And, and just seeing all that was, it was really inspiring to, to, to know that. Yeah, I just looked up uh, with with Led Zeppelin. It was uh, George Hardy. Mm. Um, I'm reading long time collaboration um, with him mm-hmm. for uh, their album designs. Um, another thing that I just remember that I had kind of forgotten that you know Phil Hartman, the comedian. Yes, you know, yes. he was like a he. That was like his thing before. Yes, he, he was a he was, was a, a well known designer. Yeah, yeah, and. I wonder how many people know that, but he had he had a whole career doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. that was. I mean, that was a career you could have. And then he was like, "I think <laughs> right. maybe I'll be really famous on Saturday Night Live," but you know, why not? Yeah, yeah, sure, change the pace. <laughs> yeah. So, um, out of this series, uh, what I you know, so I saw like a bunch of artists. I I, I did go to the opening of the show. It was great to see these mm-hmm. in person. Um, you know, I saw Amy Winehouse, Beastie Boys, The Strokes. Mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac, Peaches, Iggy Pop, so LCD sound system. So it's, it's kind of like, it's a very wide range, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit more, more recent, but we're going like nineties to early two thousands to now, and then back to the seventies with Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any, any in particular that really resonate the most with you that you had, I don't know that you got the most enjoyment out of creating or, well, I try not to. I try not to pick favorites in a specific show, um, mm-hmm. um, but some are more fun to work on than others. But I would actually say, for this show in general, this is one of the more fun shows I've done just the, across the board. Um, mm-hmm. All the work in general was really fun uh, because it was it was a very it was very personal. Um, um, the one thing that all these musicians have in common uh is is me to be a little egotistical uh you know because you look at the selection there's 24 paintings in the show and it ranges from the 70s through the uh like mid mid 2000s um and and i picked artists who are just very personally important to me they otherwise don't necessarily have anything to do with each other um and in a large part because these these musicians form the soundtracks of my life Mm -hmm. um and so for me, it was not strictly about honoring the musicians themselves, although that's certainly part of it, but it was about telling the story of my own life through music. Um, and so that's kind of the common thread uh, behind all of these disparate uh, musicians from, you know, Led Zeppelin and Fleetwood Mac in the 70s to, you know, The Cure and Echo and the Bunnyman in the 80s through um, Beastie Boys in the 90s and 
uh, and Amy Winehouse and the Strokes and the Zeros. It's kind of just sort of, it was the music I was listening to both in the time and now. Um, and I had, um, I'd created these playlists, sort of these big, um, that's one of the benefits of streaming. It's very easy for me to, to sort of recreate all these playlists from back from when I was like a kid up until mm-hmm. now. Um, all these songs that I used to listen to and that I still listen to. Um, and I originally did it to sort of go back in time a little bit and, and sort of revisit my own past for a, for a previous show I was working on that was very personal. Mm-hmm. And then in the process of that, I kind of realized that the music itself was kind of a subject matter in and of itself. Um, and so I spent a lot of time listening to these old songs, some of which I hadn't heard in, you know, possibly decades. Um, and it was really, it was a really fun experience. Like I really, enjoyed working on each and every painting so i i don't know if there was one or two that were more enjoyable than the rest but they were they were all really fun to work on yeah and what a cohesive way to approach it by uh, assembling these playlists mm-hmm. i'm actually looking at your spotify right now mm-hmm. and um well let's see the the one that uh you they're split up into different categories but you've got hundreds of songs basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so part of the fun of this must have been um assembling it all uh mm-hmm. listening to it again as you said re- you know kind of rediscovering some of this mm-hmm. um uh talk about the process of creating these works that you listen to a lot of this music while you were actually making the works were you listening to the music that you were referencing in the in the works themselves like simultaneously or was there it's just sort of random uh, no, I, it, it was a little random, but I was definitely listening to some of the same music. You know, if I was working on a, um, you know, an Amy Winehouse painting, I put on my my Zeros playlist, and some of her songs would play, and some other stuff would play. Yeah. Um. Um. But the process was really. Um. This is a rare show in that you know often you know especially if I'm making 24 paintings. At some point, I'm kind of uh you know sitting with a so to speak, blank canvas, um, you know, maybe it's staring at my computer, maybe it's sort of brainstorming. And I'm not totally sure what the next painting is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. This is a rare show where as I was working on it, as I was listening to music, as I was painting, as I was drawing, as I was prepping, um, I just always had the next painting in mind. Um, it just conjured so many memories in my mind and so many ideas that the work from one painting to the next flowed almost seamlessly like there's no almost no point where i was at a loss for what to paint next which is which is a little rare um and i think it's because the listening to these playlists as i was working on it um you know i mean i'm not unique to this idea but but if you listen to a song that you know you hadn't heard in a long time it can conjure some really really specific memories of a a specific place and time in your life yeah. yeah um especially the way i listen to music is that often have a playlist for a set period of time, like a few months, and then I'll kind of shelve it. And then, you know, maybe I'll come back to it a little bit later. But for me, that playlist kind of defines that three months of my life. So I can listen to a song and kind of be right back in, you know, the summer of 2007 in, in like yeah. in a really <laughs> visceral way. Right. Um, and so is that process, you know, th- this show I describe as being about music and time travel. Um, and for me, it really kind of was, was, was listening to these songs really conjured such specific memories um, that inspired a lot of this work. So a lot of the individual paintings are not every single one of them. Some are a little bit more general, um, but a lot of them are about, you know, kind of specific memories I have of listening to these songs or being someplace um, that I associate with this music or, or that particular time in my life. 
Yeah, I'm looking at your AM Gold 90s playlist right now, and it's mm-hmm. also bringing back a lot of memories for me. Um, are we both seven like 70s kids? Were we born? Yeah, in the well, 70s? I was born. In, I was born in the 70s. I mostly yeah. grew up in the 80s, but I have mm-hmm. I have these very fuzzy memories of the 70s, which I which I think are actually <laughs> probably mostly like fake. Like I've been reading about memory and how it's you kind of a lot of your early memories are just sort of manufactured in some way, but I don't even really care that much because it's uh, even if they're, if they, even if they're not totally real, they kind of define who I, who I am. So, um, you know, I recently, well, recently within the last five or 10 years, maybe even longer, I sort of got back into uh, some like 70s soft rock, which is just not the type of genre I normally listen to. And mm-hmm. it just, it hit me with this really powerful nostalgia punch that I couldn't uh, place at all. For a while and i think it must i just must have like listened to it as a car in a car riding around when i was a kid or something and it oh, just totally yeah. yeah so even though i don't really have like memories specific of of the 70s for the most part the music it just it just it literally feels like i'm transporting back to this like formative period in time in some way yeah well especially with like you know like popular music radio music if you're a kid listening mm-hmm. to that a lot you're just subconsciously absorbing it so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna sure. embed itself in in you in some way for mm-hmm. sure um you know and then also just visual aesthetics i mean um i was also born in the 70s and uh recently started getting back like i i've, I've kind of had a great discovery of watching colombo you know like classic <laughs> colombo episodes that's amazing yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've, and it's become like a, you know, just a fun comfort show, but Mm -hmm. the visual, like it's such a 70s show. I also grew up in in Southern California and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I have my very earliest memories are, you know, you know, these really like, you know, pea green, like shag rugs and things like that, (laughs) you know, that you see Uh in Colombo. And it's like giving me these strange, like almost deja vu feelings when I'm watching these Mm -hmm. episodes um you know just from the visuals so we're just talking about from a visual perspective but then also yeah with music kind of the same the same thing so mm-hmm. maybe triggering some other you know subconscious uh you know epigenetic epigenetic memories maybe if you want to call it that <laughs> yeah 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 well as yeah. i was uh, you know all this started with the music but as i was researching visuals for the show you know i started looking up cars from like the 70s and 80s and 90s and i started looking up you know just sort of interior design like the interior of what it, what a McDonald's looked like in like 1985. And it was, <laughs> it really, it was something that I hadn't, it's not so, like I've been dwelling on what a McDonald's looked like, like, you know, looked like for the last 30 years, but just seeing a picture of it brought back such potent memories of like going to friends, birthday parties and things like that, that just, I didn't even know were there. They just immediately burst out of my brain. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I don't, all that stuff is really, it's weird and it's interesting and and it kind of fed into the show, I think. Is there anything you can say about the uh, the techniques you use um, visually with the with these works on this show to kind of capture the 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 retro nostalgic even you know subconscious visual triggers anything like that um, did you were you did you consciously try to approach the 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 work that way or how do you think yeah that, it I, I definitely I definitely did. Um... It, for the most part, I mean, you know, all of my work is based in some way on on photographs and things like that, which mm-hmm. I which I obviously, you know, I turn into in the process of turning them into paintings that become something else. But, um, you know, I do work from source imagery a lot, and in this case, I kind of embrace the, 
you know, the look of, of old photography, you know, what Polaroids look like, the sort of washed out color of pictures from like the early seventies, um, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, even though, uh, you know, the real world obviously didn't look like that, you know, and, and, but the way my memory frames those times is almost framed through the visuals of that day. So, yeah. you know, going back and looking at family photos that are on these like washed out old Polaroids, um, you know, I incorporated a lot of um, sort of like printer's marks and like f- signs of like physical degradation. You know, I, I included like some uh, fake masking tape glued to a painting, you know, which I, I painted in. But, you know, just things like, mm-hmm. you know, how you would tape a, a, a photo to your wall and it would sort of fall apart. Um, I wanted to incorporate the look and feel of the photos and memorabilia of that era into the work even though that's not literally how it it looked if you were experiencing back then but i think that's how a lot of us remember that time myself included especially those of us who were young back then yeah well one of the ones that jumps out to me is the the fleetwood mac Mm -hmm. um the uh so it does it's obviously a polaroid or it's referencing a polaroid and with handwritten rumors 77 and Mm then but one thing that i i really um noticed when i was looking at this at the show is that um the the like autumnal f- uh foliage yeah um i think i i remember and, and i hadn't really like consciously thought of this but i remember being a little kid like in the 80s and um uh there seemed to be like a lot of wall art that was oh. sort of the soft focus autumn fo- yeah. photographs yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. like i i think my grandparents had a couple and then i would see them in other you know other houses and usually mm-hmm. like on some fake wood paneling yeah you know? <laughs> yeah 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 but that seemed to be a thing and i don't know if you were um if you had that in mind but the look of that particular work mm-hmm. um the fleetwood mat work is really reminded me of that that kind of soft focus autumn foliage and then of course we also have that station wagon yeah paneling <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's funny i mean i think a lot of us who are kids at the time probably have similar memories despite where we grew up um i wasn't i wasn't thinking of that specifically but now that you mentioned it i i know exactly what you're talking about um that piece like a lot of the paintings in the show was from like a very specific memory i have um and like i said i don't even know if it's a real memory because i was really young i just remember waiting uh it, it, you know i grew up outside of boston um and i remember waiting for like my friend's mom to come pick us up in her wood paneled station wagon to go to like preschool or something like that i remember looking at the trees uh and then getting in her car and hearing you know the am radio on and and again all this might it, it might be based on an actual memory it might be like a, a mixture of a few different things it might not even have ever happened but it's something that i think of when i think of my early childhood memories and so i wanted to make that painting about that moment specifically um but it's such a it's such a like quintessential you know it it could like any of us could have been there who grew up at that time and probably were there in some capacity and so the look and feel of it of the the real woods versus the fake wood on the car you know the aesthetics of the 70s which are very much about like you know sort of brown and orange and green right (laughs) uh which were then brought into people's kitchens in weird ways you know like any of us who grew up at that time uh, or who remember that time through old photographs, I think can can touch back on something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, another another kind of uh, fascinating nostalgia for me is you have this you have this one image. Uh, I, I can't find the name of it, but it's a it's 
a classic iPod, like yeah, a giant yeah, classic yeah, yeah. iPod hanging on the side of a building mm-hmm. um, with the, uh, you know, the original like earbuds, mm-hmm. which, you know, is kind of wild to think that that that's actually, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a nostalgic, nostalgic item. Right? And know, actually right? those, those go for a lot of money now I hear. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that's like a more recent nostalgia, but that's like from like, you know, what, when did the iPod come out? Like 2004? Five, probably yeah like probably yeah i think it's been yeah. i think we've been like 20 years of the ipod just about yeah yeah which is crazy yeah, yeah. so you're kind of like adding a nostalgic sheen to things that even aren't you know like from our perspective considered to be that old but um you know there was that recent documentary meet me in the bathroom yes you know, that was is, like that that was actually a huge inspiration to the show as well i thought it had to be yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure um and but you know what really struck me about that um when i was reading about that documentary is that uh there's there's a nostalgia i think from like you know the uh, really young generation it's like zoomers mm-hmm. for that era <laughs> sure <laughs> which was sure, you know sure, sure. you know well this was actually a long time ago it was like 20 years ago now yeah it's kind yeah. of mind blowing but um that was a specific kind of time you know, mm-hmm. that I never really thought of as having its own identity until it was kind of framed like that. Mm-hmm. But um, this this iPod painting, which is actually a giant like billboard, it looks like on yeah. the side of a, of a wall. But then there's this there is a literally like a huge iPod <laughs> hanging, yeah. hanging off of it. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. it, 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 that sort of like captures the, the the visual sort of feel from that particular whatever you want to call it, the early aughts era. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I was, I was, you know, I was playing on the nostalgia we have, you know, my generation and even, you know, older generations and maybe even younger generations, but the nostalgia we have for, you know, vinyl records and, mm-hmm. and even cassettes and things like that. But you're right, it's been 20 years and I actually do have some nostalgia for, this is going to sound weird, but I have nostalgia for the iPod era. I have nostalgia for the music blog era, you know, which mm-hmm. is, which was a moment in time where it was the way I discovered music, it was the way I listened to music and it's gone now. It doesn't really exist anymore. And it maybe was brief and maybe was historically not that important. Um, but I remember it fondly. There's a lot of good music from that time. Um, you know, and I used to, you know, carry that iPod around with me everywhere. Um, and, and also, you know, it, it, those iPod ads for people who remember them, you know, from that era with the bright colors, they were, they were really kind of iconic. You'd see them all over the subways, no matter what city you were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted something that kind of conjured that feeling. Um, but I turned the iPod into a giant real physical thing in that painting. So it kind of like almost transcended the, the billboardness of it to become like a real life object. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Um, what I, what I, I, I did briefly meet you after the opening mm-hmm. and, um, uh, my friend kid Lou, who I did yep. a, another podcast interview with a while back, um, was asking you about the positioning of the the astronaut. <laughs> yes, he was. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And if there's any kind of like method to any of it, and from what I overheard, it doesn't sound like it. But correct me if I'm wrong, because mostly, at least, it seems with this series, the astronaut, it, we're looking at their back, but mm-hmm. um, they are they're facing the viewer in a few as well. But is there any kind of intent with that, or is that just sort of um, random? It- or- it's a little it, well. There is some intent, but it's also a little random. I'd say I, mean, I haven't added it up, but I'd say probably like seventy-five, eighty percent of my paintings, you, the astronaut is facing away from the viewer. 
um, for because I don't I want you to feel like you're sort of following along with you're basically in the astronauts spacesuit or boots mm-hmm. or however you want to put it. That's meant to be sort of a vehicle for the viewer to kind of step into the paintings. And mm-hmm. if the astronaut is kind of facing you directly, it kind of it's a little antithesis to that, antithetical to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, you know, some of the I do like to have a little bit of variety, and every once in a while, I'll sprinkle on a front facing astronaut to make it seem because if it was just back facing all the time, I feel like it would get a little bit bland. And so I like having the full 360 rotation. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to which paintings have a front-facing versus a back-facing, there's nothing but the content specifically of the painting that I, I decide to make it front-facing. It's just sort of whatever the context of the work, whatever looks best, really, um, Yeah, for the astronaut to be facing front versus back. Well, one of the one of the pieces with the astronaut facing is with this, uh, you're talking about, you know, 80s uh, McDonald's, but this is like a very vintage looking burger king right 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 yeah <laughs> with the, the the orange colors and mm-hmm. yeah yeah looks like a very 80s car oh yeah um, yeah it's a late 80s uh ford mustang all right wow mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah and it it is i i like the idea of like we you know um the viewers kind of following the the astronaut's path but when the, the astronaut is, is turned and looking out that's also kind of has a whole other level to it because you, mm-hmm. you're, you're just looking at this like blank. You, you can't see a face, you know? Right, 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 right. So there is, is a little bit of an alienation aspect to it, maybe, um, mm-hmm. which kind of plays into the, you know, how, uh, or I don't know, dissolution possibly we mm-hmm. might be with the, the future that we were promised and what we actually got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a, that's a great point. Yeah, no, I, I, I decided very early on um it was within the first i don't know five or ten astronaut paintings i ever made um i decided to keep the face mask deliberately blank um because i didn't want there to be a specific person in there that you could see because then it would be mm-hmm. easy to say oh that's a white guy or that's a you know a woman or that's who who is that um and i didn't want any of that i wanted i, I wanted whoever's looking at my paintings to just sort of very easily to think of themselves in that suit not think of oh that's so and so looks like my dad or whatever in there <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, that, that that's a good way to do it for sure. Um, and I think, I think it fits the work really well mm-hmm. and what you're going for, you know, in terms of the, the themes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then also you've got this BC boys one, the sabotage mm-hmm. replacing the Hollywood sign, which is obviously referencing their iconic video for, yep. for that. Um, and this is also a very LA looking, yeah. image too yeah which doesn't really make sense because it has like the the hill with the hollywood sign but it's right behind downtown la yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's very much an event for anybody who knows even like a little bit about la geography it's it's wrong <laughs> like all around but um it's meant to not be uh, most of the pieces in the show are meant to be they're fabricated from memory so they're kind of sure. deliberately off a little bit in ways. oh totally well then of course the la river there's so many you know famous you know chase scenes in the la river mm-hmm. right that you know, mm-hmm. just this concrete ditch basically yeah uh, but yeah. then but then you also have this like mid-century kind of style like motel sign mixed right. in with it too and mm-hmm. yeah it's a great kind of i don't know collage aspect of imagery um that could range from the 70s through the 90s i would say well absolutely well yeah it was very much inspired you know i I, like i said i really enjoyed working on the show i I almost felt stupid that um 
my research for this show, like I would just sit and watch the sabotage video like six <laughs> times through or 10 times through. That was my my work. I'm air quoting for you guys at home, for you people at home. <laughs> that was my my work on this on this show was I would just watch Beastie Boys videos all day. Um, and I kind of wanted to capture the whole feeling of that specific video in one painting. Um, and that, 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 you know, that, that video, I mean, I think probably most people are familiar. If you're not go watch the video right now. Um, I think it was, was it a Spike Jones? It must've been a Spike I think Jones it was, video. Yeah. Most yeah. Likely. Like it's meant to be, it was filmed in the nineties in LA, but it was meant to be evocative of, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about, um, Columbo a second ago. It was meant to be evocative of these seventies cop shows. Absolutely. In like in a really kind of like corny way, but also a nostalgic way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a, as a, as a, you know, I was a teenager in the nineties and I just thought, you know, retro 70s stuff was so cool. And now kids who were, who, who are my age then, but are, are that age now think retro nineties is cool. Um, and so it's a weird sort of like closed loop of, um, 20, whatever 20, 30 years ago was cool in a, in a weird sort of nostalgic way. I was trying to mix all of that up into this one painting um, in some way so that, yeah. I don't know, it made this weird sort of like, I don't know, stew of nostalgia and, and my childhood, but I'm also kind of now a lot older and looking back on my life. I don't know. It, it was a weird, fun mix. But then then I, in the middle of it, I plunked the cop car just like falling out of the sky in a yeah. way that just it just made me laugh like over and over again. I don't know. I hope other people find it as funny as I did. Well, I actually, I got to go back and rewatch this video because I don't think I've seen it in a few years myself. Mm-hmm. So you've inspired me to do that. But there, there's, I'm wondering if there's got to be, you know, the, the, the classic, uh, you know, chase scene with the, the cars leaping over hills. Oh, you know, yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if that's actually in the video, but that's what it looks like this car it's, is it's doing. It's not only in the video. It's <sighs> I, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think the scene they filmed up over a hill is right near where I live in Los oh, Angeles. Cool. And so I walk yeah. around there. There's this stupid big steep hill there. And I'm pretty sure they filmed the, the cop car kind of cresting over the hill right near where I live. So there's oh, a little added it. sort of per, personal touch to the, uh, to the both to the video and to my painting. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Um, so the show is up for a little bit longer is it is it close mm-hmm. on the 29th if i'm not mistaken i believe so yeah okay great um well hey it was great talking with you scott yeah same this uh, is a lot of fun and also thanks to those of you out there listening um you can check out the online edition of interlocutor magazine at interlocutorinterviews.com and check for updates on instagram it's at interlocutor.interviews and uh, once again, if you're a fan of our arts coverage, you can sign up to be a subscriber through or throw a few bucks our way via Patreon. Just click on the Patreon link on our site. I also want to mention that for this episode, I'm going to put up a page uh, for it with an embedded player. The episode will also be available on all the the major platforms for podcasts, but we'll include links to um, the show and probably embed some images as well of the work of the show just uh, for people listening if they want to have a visual reference so yeah i'll be back soon with another interlocutor interviews podcast episode and once again thank you scott thank you for having me this has been great <laughs>